In times like these, being a citizen is a big job. Thank you for joining us to celebrate the virtues of self-rule and debate the state of our republic. Welcome to the Citizen's Prerogative Podcast. This is the voice of your nerdy host, Michael Piscatelli, and we are blessed with a co-host whose passion for our republic precedes him everywhere. Raymond Wong Jr. Oh my gosh, is this season two already? I just woke up. (laughs) He woke up like this. This is episode one of season two, and the name is Climate, the Future of Everything. We have a few topics here. Uh, The first one we're going to cover is the original Too Big to Fail, our glorious and uh, widespread hydrocarbon industry. We'll also talk about the future we deserve to leave for our heirs. And we'll also cover the opportunity and how enormous it is. Like This is a huge monumental herculean effort that needs to happen on a global scale instead of it being a war though it has to be cooperative and constructive ah there is a war there is a war of information you know we don't want to forget that uh and as we've seen with uh, recent elections in, in the government uh there is a there is an absolute war of information but that's where we are we I believe that by having the conversation, we can prevent the war of the physical war, right? I hope so. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I'll just say thankfully in a weird way, because it's not anything to be thankful for, uh, what's happening in the world of technology and cyber warfare and things like that probably um, may you know, take the tip of the spear for evolution on war. Hopefully, we'll we'll see what role climate plays. If it makes food more scarce, if it makes water more scarce, um, if it makes currently inhabited places less inhabitable, there's going to be a lot of problems, a lot of destabilization. So we'll see. We'll we'll put a pin on the war thing or plug in it for the moment. We'll come back to that. Before we actually jump in any deeper, do you want to take a moment? Do you think it'd be a good idea to take a moment and reflect a little bit on season one? We just finished the first season of the first podcast we've ever embarked on, um, or major joint project like this since Civic Sphere. So very exciting. I I feel good about it. Um. I don't want to say proud. I'm definitely excited. That's for sure. Uh, and I'm glad that we we feel good about it, right? There's nothing worse than like, you know, putting together a draft and having too many eyes on it. You don't want too much feedback on a draft. So this this going out there and it having, you know, the sense of completion and thoughtfulness around it that it did, that that's what I think drives how I feel about the last season. And I also makes me excited because it, I look forward to this season and the seasons yet to come because everything we've experienced during season one, all the discussions we've had, has informed where we're going from there. 
in so many ways, we have lots of options and opportunities. So I, I, I'm really looking forward to what's to come. So um, I feel thankful. I feel a lot of thanks. Uh, thanks for our listeners who have provided feedback already and that we've grown from, uh, provide, uh, provided all kinds of opportunities to change the show just ever so slightly to make it more enjoyable. I feel thankful for the opportunity to have a platform. Uh, thankful for Michael as the, uh, as the leader of the uh, organization that's sponsoring the show and, and, and as our co-host. Uh, so I feel this great amount of thanks and, and just thankful that anybody listened, right? Let's just yeah. start there, right? Oh, that, gosh. that anybody listened. <laughs> um, thank you for that. Thank you, all of you um, so much. And, and right. like you said, just to reiterate, sorry to jump in, but the feedback, sure. it was great. Um, very helpful. And I hope those of you who have reached out and given us feedback have, have seen some of the results incorporated. And if not, let us, let us know. <laughs> but sorry, I cut you off there. That was great. No, the thank you train was leaving the station. So if you did not get on then, I would have left you. <laughs> I, would have, I would have steamed right by. But um, for me, I also, just reflecting back on season one, it should have been, and I think you and I focused on this when we planned season one out, uh, that we wanted to make sure people understood who we were, uh, who, were who we are, uh, where we came from, where we're coming from, when we start to make more bold statements. Because I believe we're going to talk a lot more philosophical. We're going to talk more about solutions in season two. And we're not going to spend a lot of time trying to have you understand why we feel this way, because we're hoping we did a good job explaining. So I would say in recap, I hope we've effectively given that uh, demonstration of our citizenship and that if we have not you will continue to guide and provide feedback and you may need to say and that's what i want to hear hey uh, uh, season one was not enough you have not said <laughs> enough so we are hoping and we are we are pleading for that feedback so i hope i got that rounded out michael i appreciate it sounds great yeah. So yeah, season two is going to be exciting because, you know, we're going to be loosening it up a little bit, covering more, probably more ground, definitely talking more on the solution side of things. And um, we'll take it from here. So today, back to climate, the original too big to fail, the hydrocarbon industry. And when I'm talking about hydrocarbon and it's all the oil it's everything right it goes all the way back to the beginning of industrialization in so many ways so energy has always been the the competitive advantage that the united states have so when we would look at it historically and uh that's one thing that won't change from season one is that i'm gonna i'm here to talk about the history uh because it's what helps us make an informed decision it's all rooted but, there right <laughs> started so, a so long time ago <laughs> it's not wrong okay so so air and energy is part of our heritage it is the competitive advantage that makes america uh uh competitive uh i what is what do i say a leader in the world right because it's not our education system and things like that it's it's definitely the energy in our corner on that energy and so it's very very important but in the same token it's that same old uh use a hollywood phrase 
great responsibility, great power comes great responsibility. And what's more powerful than energy itself, right? So they should take their own medicine in that sense. But again, historically, it's the reason we are positioned well. And it's also our greatest Achilles heel because we're also completely... uh, we couldn't live without it. Could you imagine if there were restrictions on anything, water, power, uh, there's a lot that takes, it goes into us having all of these amenities. And you may not think it, wow, the water, right? But the petroleum that goes into the pipes that gets the water to your faucet is part of this, this industry that Michael's talking about. So I'll go, I'll give it back to you, Michael, for a little uh, more. Straightforward. Help, help, help me connect those dots. How is the oil helping us get water oh well the you know the pipes most of them are pvc uh now is the Uh, the most common pipe i missed that sorry so let me clarify yeah i mean for the most part mike i know that in a they have standards in cities like san francisco where they use copper still which you should because there's earthquakes but in a lot of the south you know a lot of the other states that don't have severe weather conditions they're using plastic they're using pvc hmm Mm, so we're, we're pumping all the dead dinosaurs and plants out and to get my processing water. it and whatnot to mold that plastic so that we yeah. it, it breaks. It's perfect. It breaks every 10 years. So you have to replace it. It's wonderful. Wow. Built in uh, planned obsolescence, which is actually an amazing segue to the whole point of this. You know, we didn't need to be so dependent on petroleum for so long and, and everything related to it. I mean, hydrocarbons, a big umbrella. Um, and I know it confuses a lot of people, but uh, when you, you know, you burn something and it, and it turns into carbon dioxide and goes into the atmosphere, it's, that's it. It's all, it's carbon, it's hydrocarbon, it's all contributing regardless of the source. And it, we are so beholden to it, the whole thing, because of money, because of greed. I mean, you think about the patents that got covered up, uh, you know, or purchased and, and put away and, and all that stuff. And what you were just talking about, Ray, is what kind of triggered that for me, you know, the segue into the greed aspect of things to say we could operate more cleanly. You know, we could leave a smaller carbon footprint and still produce energy that we need. And, you know, we, we could have been doing it a long time ago, like electric cars and electric motorized things on a consumer scale not on a consumer scale but at least for a mass transit and other scales for a very long time was highly available and um, you know you look at cities if anybody's had the opportunity to visit Detroit I have not unfortunately yet Um, but some of the stories that I hear about you know the lack of availability of public transit and things like that because of the interests of like automobile industries um, so there's a lot of ways that you can see where some self-interested group of people want outsized power or money and or whatever. Those things inversely affect each other um, or complementary, I should say, in complementary ways. You get greedy. And so now we're, we've really pooped in our fishbowl. I'm glad you said that fishbowl, because if you're talking about the ocean, you're absolutely right. The plastic poisoning the ocean 
is is horrendous and and again that's because of the dependence and single-use plastic i mean we pump something out of the earth like that took billions of years to create for a single-use plastic product and it was all propaganda that got us here and it was companies like disney who own it as well the house of the future um, it was interesting because as I started to research the House of the Future, which was this cool house and it was in Disney and it re- I realized it was this giant plastic house that the, I believe the Monsanto Corporation had pushed forward because they were the big plastic generators, right? So they, they put it in the center of everything and they did this huge campaign to change Americans' thoughts and to say you can use plastic and there's no harm. There's no negative to plastic. Everybody use it. Look how great it is. And it's durable. And you can build a house out of it. But that kind of propaganda uh, just kind of pushed plastic to the forefront in our minds. And this idea that there's, there's zero negative, ben, uh, negative issues with it, it's the, that's one of those informational wars, right? So where is the informational war, war? This idea that our youth and the mass public have is that you can use single-use plastics with zero impact. So in any case, not to belabor, um, I think some of the issues I hope we're all aware of, um, and by the way, it's in your fish now. Uh, we're all eating it. It's So if you're eating fish, you're probably eating some amount of microplastics it's showing up in everything and then the carbon issue is pushing from the atmosphere into the ocean it's acidifying the ocean we're gonna not have any oysters or any other kind of shellfish here soon uh, because of acidification which prevents the, the the type of calcium or whatnot that needs to happen for the shells um, including crabs and things like that so it's going to get interesting to see uh what kind of Mm, variations evolution is put out there to select upon maybe we will still have some kind of shellfish in the future but in any case monumental changes upon us and we're gonna have to respond in in monumental ways um so i'd like to cap up because we we i think we can spend most of the time just looking forward if you don't disagree ray and we can cap up the the history of this, the history of where we are and w- the motivation to drive us to the edge that we're at, our back against the wall, was greed, is greed. It's greed. It's still there. And we need to call it out and we need to recognize it. And we really, you know, the, the next administration's talking about trying to make a major pivot. And we're going to talk a little bit about all the possibilities that we all have to fight for and we will have to keep fighting for it's not there's we've got two years for the next election and then two years every two years after (laughs) and we're going to talk about that ah before we move on before we pivot let's go ahead and hear a word from our sponsor even though you've heard it before it's still true The war is never over and every battle counts. I know you are tirelessly demonstrating good citizenry on the daily through actions and words and how you donate your time and your money to causes that count. Thank you. I want you to know that we also need your help to stay on mission and grow this community. One of the best ways you can help is by showing your support. 
please rate our podcast with five stars in your app. If you don't feel like giving us five stars, let us know why. Let us know on our sponsors page, Citizen Do Good, on Facebook. In any case, uh, like the page while you're there on Facebook. And if you can, go the extra mile by joining our newsletter at citizendogood.com. And if you do subscribe there, you'll get all the updates on our latest antics, not just the podcast. Thank you so much for your support. So talking a little bit about the future, the future that we deserve to leave for our heirs. And every time I think about that statement, I think back to, I can't recall where I heard this from, but some documentary about life on earth and it some, you know, bioengineer scientist person said life has a tendency to leave things conducive to life. But something has caused us to stray from that path and we can put that back in the in the windscreen in the in the windshield in the in our front view to suggest that we should live symbiotically with our environment and and we should be looking forward to ways of making less of an impact. Um, Right. You've got it right. You've got it. We, we talk about rewilding, right? The cities looking at letting, letting your, your yard grow back to its wild forms and, and getting back to a little bit more of that forest that we used to have, let things naturally grow. Uh, I think that what's interesting for us is that we're at a point where we have the chance to pivot. Like, nope, we've never been at a focal point where the American people were so focused. And in general, the world is focused on pivot, the possibility that we can ask for something better for our children. Because so far, we've just accepted that it gets worse and worse year over year. And this is just life. But what if it actually started to get better? And there's so many ways for us to begin looking at approaches to this. And I think starting at the macro level, it's really important for us to frame this in a competitive way, to frame this in a way that's motivating for most people to get engaged in it. And dare I say, even has the possibility of nationalist bent to it because Truth is, if people in the United States want to to still enjoy this exalted position in the world, that, you know, right now we're resting on our laurels. We're Icarus, who's been flying towards the sun and and the wax on our feathers is starting to melt and the wings are about to fall apart. We're going to plummet to the earth, right? I think if, if we don't want that to be where we are in the parable, I think I said that right, parable. <laughs> uh, in any case, if, if we don't want that to be where we're at, then we need to start, you know, thinking differently and acting differently and 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 even thinking about the fact that our, you know, we, we want to be on the cutting edge. We want to be delivering the products, the services, the capabilities, the science. We want to be the ones delivering. Like we we had an advantage after World War One or World War II, because we were the only economy essentially left standing, right? And we got to rebuild. We were already a major industrial powerhouse by the end of the war because we had to produce all of the wartime materials. 
So then we were gifted this destroyed world and a whole bunch of factories that don't need to produce war material anymore. So they cover over to other things to sell, to rebuild the rest of the world conveniently enough. And so we've been preeminent since then, but that lead has been dwindling. And one of the ways that we can look at this is an opportunity to regain that edge where we may still have a competitive advantage. And this also touches on immigration policy. Um, because quite frankly, we can be a shining beacon. Like our competitive advantage relative in the knowledge world, our competitive advantage relative to our competitors, Russia, China, et cetera, et cetera, is the offer we present for humans to be free and the ability for you to come here and join us in this experiment mm -hmm. and benefit from it along with us and bring your knowledge, bring your biggest brains, your, you know, your, your best brains or your best culture, your, whatever aspect of you come here. And, you know, that's not necessarily the, you know, that's, that's not the statue of Liberty motto. This is obviously <laughs> was, you know, this is the, H-1B visa argument, and et cetera. It's a, obviously, it's a different thing. We can talk about huddled masses separately. I'd like to do that um, since we can. And just think about this idea that we want to create the cutting edge. And it doesn't matter who else is here. We can bring everyone along with us. The education system is something we have to redesign to help in this effort. Like everything has to get redesigned for this effort. You know, we're going to talk about tuning up the Republic. I, I think climate change is probably like the thing that should just pull everything along and drive us towards a future that makes more sense than where we've ended up and, and changing the entire economy um, and, and trying to use that to position us to be producing everything for the cutting edge, to be selling it to the rest of the world. America's managers. I mean, the world's managers. Okay. That's, I used to think that when I was younger is that one day as technology increases and, and I was part of the teams that were helping outsource to India. And so I, I told people all the time that in the, in the future, we can be the managers of the world, professional managers and we understand how to move things and and get get things done and that's still the opportunity for americans americans are industrious the problem is is there's somebody outside of the system looking at us like a bunch of ants fighting over the sugar pile and we need to kind of take the focus and and change the priorities right so that we are that beacon uh, so that we can provide opportunity to people. So like you're saying, Mike, it, it has a cumulative effect, right? As we open up the opportunities and we expand our scientific capabilities and we produce new technology, everyone's going to benefit because jobs will fall from the sky. Um, but guess literally. what? Guess who's not going to do this? The hydrocarbon industry. They keep saying, trust us, trust us, give us more bailout money, give us more tax breaks uh, for exploration and research. And, and don't worry, don't worry, we'll figure it out. We'll figure out how to get us all off of this drug. No, no, you, you don't go to the drug dealer to get off of drugs. Um, and so unfortunately, you, you do need, I'm going to say, you know, entrepreneurs who are able to take a risk that aren't required to have a guaranteed return. Like, mm -hmm. I mean, I'll throw Elon Musk out there, but he's only the biggest name. There are a lot of other people doing even 
better things that are actually more aligned to the future state of where we need to be, especially for the climate. I'm talking about, you know, zero or neutral, um, net zero, net negative, even um, emissions, because we do have to start recapturing stuff too. We've already put too much out there. So not only do we have to stop, we have to reverse a little bit and, and we need to develop the means of controlling that, which is weird because at the end of all of this, we end up terraforming. I mean, we've already done it inadvertently, right? We've just right, terraformed yeah, we, a world we, for a different. We terraform life. all the time, right? We terra. Phoenix is a great example. Of, although Phoenix was heavily wooded, um, it just had a different style of trees. But we've brought in our own types of trees, or we really changed some of the regions of, of of Phoenix in general. So, in that sense, you're absolutely right. We already commit this project uh, of terraforming. I want to go back to what you said about uh, the tax breaks and such, because uh, I've got I've received a lot of great questions from our listeners so far about, well, Ray, all these great ideas you have, they're bold, um, and they're talking about us, you know, all these ideas we throw around that are not new ideas. They're just ideas that we're trying to bring more to the surface. But um, how are we going to pay for it? And that's the thing is like, it's the money's already out there, right? So Michael had already mentioned the tax breaks that we give the oil companies. So I'm even saying that I would say that we should urge the government because it's, it's, it's very nervous. It's very scared about organized citizens. So we must ask it, but urge it to say, okay, we know you like to earmark billions towards the oil industry. All we're saying is that we get 50% from now on. You give, you give them a billion dollars, we get a billion dollars. And I'm saying we, as in the citizens, they put a billion dollars into green projects or they put a billion dollars into small businesses. So just share the volume. Share, there's currently socialism, corporate socialism. We need you to allocate it better. Yeah, let's use it. That's the perfect segue because I, I, we can't rely on Elon Musk's and, and all the other, you know, great entrepreneurs out there that are well, trying to save the earth. Right. But well, we can't just, we can't just cuddle in the, or huddle in the corner, huddle in the corner and hope well, that somebody saves the day. No, 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 no. We need to take action, big, bold action. It takes proof big of money. concept, Mike. And there's uh, the money. The, the coronavirus show has shown us when the government puts its energy and when all the world governments put their energy behind something, we can accomplish innovative technology, right? And so far it's being vetted currently, but the bottom line is that when the government cares, it happens. When the government cares, we make it to the moon. When the government cares, we bring down other nations effectively. But it's important that the government gets behind caring for the people for once and our children not caring for today, not caring for profit, which is what has us in a climate crisis, profit and greed. Next if quarter. They, if next quarter we'll deal with it. You, you, Amazon has, has, has said over the next 20 years, they're going to go zero over the next, they have so much money. They can't go zero carbon right out the door. So that stuff challenges me, but we accept it in America because we're like, oh, it's happening at a snail's pace, but we demand action and, and we're going to help organize that. And there's so many jobs. Like the potential to unleash jobs here, the potential to democratize uh, the ownership of businesses. The Like if you think about, let's go back to building a car for a minute. You talk about, we're talking about building an industry. It's all very big minded, but let's, Go back to cars. It takes a lot of parts. It takes a lot of parts in you know 
we use robotics to do a lot of it and we'll continue to use robotics to do a lot of it, which means the jobs we're doing aren't the repetitive ones that destroy, that create arthritis in our joints necessarily. You know, we're going to be programming those machines or doing all these other things, but don't forget, we're going to need people in out on the ground to maintain a lot of this new infrastructure as well. We've got to build it, we've got to deploy it, and then we've got to maintain it. I mean, so there's a boom of jobs just to get everything set up and built. And I mean, this is everything, every piece of infrastructure. I mean, it's, it's like rebuilding the freeways, rebuilding like all of our bridges. <laughs> there's so much potential to generate all of that activity. And don't forget, that's all economic activity. So at the end of the day, you're, oh, how much does it cost or whatever? Well, the point is, is we're taking capital from one area and, and we're deploying it in another just to keep the engine going, right? It's it just, it's one system. So I, the, the worst thing you can do to yourself is get hung up on the idea of where does the money come from? Guarantee you the money is there. It's just, can we get people in Congress to pass the legislation? Yeah, guess who's not going to like it? The Koch brothers. You know, guess who's not going to like it? People who shouldn't like it, and it's okay. And guess what? They're not going to be starving. They're not going to be homeless. <laughs> it's, it's, if I, it's, they're going to be fine. The, the wealthy... People will be fine. The problem is that we, you, they have news organizations that they own that are, gonna, that are reminding you that they won't be fine and nothing will be fine if you get a piece of the pie, right? Nothing, everything will fall apart if you had free education. I, where do these stories even come from, right? And people buy into it. They, they drink that Kool-Aid. The types of businesses people would be able to create you know, and if it wasn't also the flip side is the fear of that failure and having no floor to feed yourself, to, you know, sit on and eat, um, you know, holds a lot of people back. So the big picture here is don't worry about the money because that's something we need to talk about. But when it comes to climate, no expense can be spared because we're talking about the future of our species. What's the point of having an economy? What's the point of being rich? Um, on a on Venus. So if you're you're, you're automatically sending us to Venus because isn't it gas gaseous? So that's gonna be. A tough it's been one. very Earth-like. I mean, you know, it's I, a hot, it's a very hot, humid place. I hear. Um, I thought it and, has a very toxic atmosphere. That too. I, yeah, yeah. It's not. Yeah, it's not pleasant. Yeah, you're right. It's not gaseous, but it, I, it's true. Uh, there's this idea that um, my uh, a dear friend of mine used to throw away is that we travel to Mars as a society that we get to Mars, right? And we get there and it turns out we had already been there and we destroyed Mars and <laughs> we had already abandoned it once to go to Earth. <laughs> Can you imagine? <laughs> I mean, but, but it's feasible, right? Because if you look at it, we're on the edge and the Earth will go on. It's just that us oh, yeah. as a species may not because the dinosaurs lost it and we're, you know, we're drinking them up and so so yeah. now be a reset a reset button so another reset yeah we need we need to get a handle on it no expense spared and it'll just it's going to change everything and we have an opportunity to make sure that it's for for the better right and and jobs are just 
going to be a plenty. And I, I also look at it in one of the previous episodes, we were talking about small business and I feel like this could be a source of Cambrian explosion for small business too. So a lot of people after pandemic sitting around, you know, maybe jobs don't come back right away. We're starting to see more claims come in, although, you know, new round of stimulus will be coming. Ultimately, a lot of people are going to be disenchanted uh, with with what's happened and, and climate's going to continue to change. And I feel like people are going to be inspired to try and help solve these problems provided there are avenues to help them get there, right? That there's capital available behind the good ideas that need to be there. And then at the same time, I mean, that's just one... Like if you think about FDR and I don't know how many hundreds of programs they had to throw at the wall to see what sticks, but we need we need to be thinking about every aspect of society and our and our economic systems and the ones that we can put in place to help, you know, make sure that we're living in a sustainable future. And I think giving more people access to capital to help solve some of these problems is a great way to make, you know, to help buy a lottery ticket in a certain space. In the meantime, you're funding universities, right? You're taking tax dollars from polluters and you're giving them to companies that are already proven to manufacture and are improving upon things that they manufacture in the clean technology space. Um, And so it's interesting because a lot of countries have already started niching themselves out. So like in Northern Europe and Iceland and where there are unique geological formations they're developing unique ways of generating energy from from the planet Um, and then also like all of these carbon recapture technologies because we can't just not emit we also have to there's some amount of emission we're always probably going to have for some period of time until hydrogen until hydrogen energy sustainable fission things like that really come to bear uh, the real future of technology. We need bridges. We need a lot of bridges. We need to rebuild the ones we have, <laughs> but we have to build new ones, right? Um, because the technology that eventually we need to get to, the one that we're going to take to space and all of that, you know, that's still up off on the horizon a bit a ways, but we're going to get there. I think we'll see it in our lifetime. I sure hope so. I mean, some fun facts about the, the economy and how it generates activity. Uh, Velcro is, what is from the space program. I believe, you know, you have microwaves that come from war. But still, it is, it is things spur when things happen. When we push forward with great leaps in technology, when there's a great need, okay, it, it's been war in the past, it's been space, but now the great need is saving the planet. And we can have great technological strides during the next couple of generations if we do it right. Some of America's most ingenious and consequential inventors, you know, are not necessarily people you would have expected. You know, university isn't the only place, but I'm also going to throw out, you know, community college, vocational type stuff, right? Um, there's a lot of people who are trained in one field of work and the future is a different set of fields of work and we need to get good at figuring that out, helping people, you know, figuring out what, what it is that they want to do with their time. Mm-hmm. Assuming we don't have, you know, a supple, basic supplemental income. Well, that's, for- we, 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 we're very clear. Our, we, Michael and I are both advocating for a $2,000 floor. 
a two thousand dollar adjusted floor as you make more income, of course, but to to save the economy with with of course uh, this includes nationalized medicine and imagine how many people could just focus on climate issues. Maybe someone just wants to go pick up all the garbage in the neighborhood for the rest of their life. Then goodness, what a beautiful American dream. Or disease. You know what's really amazing is like people get in their heads about well I'm I'm of a certain age and that time has passed. The time to learn has never passed. The time to grow has never passed. And what you need to do, what you owe it to yourself and everyone around you and anybody who's ever invested any modicum of attention or time in you, what you owe it to them to do is figure out where where do you get excited about these things, any of these things, right? You, you do need to like... Everybody needs downtime. We all need to relax, but you also need to expand your mind. You also need to explore things you don't know about because if you aren't already like insatiably, insatiably motivated by an idea, don't stop looking. Go find it. There's an idea out there that's going to worm itself into your head and you're not going to be able to get it out and, and you're going to learn about it and you're going to become an expert in it and you're going to make connections to that thing in ways other people couldn't possibly make connections to it because they don't have your truth. They don't have your life experience. And that is the type of leap. That is the type of crazy, you know, randomness in this universe that really um, can, can make magic happen. And I would, I, honestly, if there aren't ideas, I, I'll tell you, there are so many ideas to me that I just find so positively fascinating. I can't stop digging in various places and when I come across people who have never experienced that sensation in their life, it makes me very, very sad. And it makes me know there's something very, very wrong with the system we live in. The that system, was a bit of a soapbox. but No, I mean, the, the system says, I'm jumping in because you're on it and you're with it. But the, so the system says, life sucks and then you die. And I think I just realized based on your speech, what I want to change it to is life sucks, but then you learn you know, or then you grow. You, The listeners will have to let us know what you like better, but one of the things you'll hear, especially in season one, we were talking about those phrases and these ideals that have grown in our mentality that help us cope with the, the, bad, the bad card we were dealt, all of us as typical Americans. So life sucks and then you die? No, life sucks, but then you grow. That's our mantra. Yeah. Yeah, all this adversity, it's just a challenge. It's something to rise to. And it's what we're designed to do. I mean, ultimately, at the end of the day, we're designed to survive. That's the point, at least long enough to procreate if you want to get, you know, if you, if you want to be really only scientific in some people's views. Um, that's not my view of life. I think it's much fuller and more purposeful than that. Well, kind of, because a lot of species, they after they have the males you know, release their sperm, they die or they kill themselves or they just naturally or die. It's really rough. Females will eat them because well, I mean, they I will use their nutrients. To... I didn't want to bring that up. How, how giving they are. They are. Very giving. Look at that sacrifice. Well, what an environmentalist. What an environmentalist. <laughs> it's for the kids. It was for the kids. Recycling. It was for the... Recycling. <laughs> uh, we digress but uh, this is i mean this is the beginning of many things that will probably 
weave through and around climate because you can't untangle what we've done to the earth with who from who we are and what we do. We did this. <laughs> Extinction uh. is real. And I think when, and that's what we're going to do is I assume we'll be doing this podcast for a while. So if climate's still an issue, we're going to continue to, pull back the onion on why it's so important. And Michael, I'm looking forward to the episode where we talk about how many um, Americans alone, you know, how much culture has, have we destroyed? How many, excuse me, our culture, how many species has it destroyed? Just our culture. Cause I know we almost killed the chinchilla off as a good example. I know that we almost completely decimated the beaver. Honestly, um, I've actually built a special compartment to compartmentalize that, those thoughts, the thoughts of, you know, oh, the scars we're creating or have created, um, and put that away for some other time just because, A, it doesn't make me feel good, but B, I just tell myself, well, it happens. That's what evolution's for. It's unfortunate. Uh, it is it's unfortunately that we are causing it and we are making this choice right to continue it and we we know there's a feedback loop right and we should feel guilty we should feel sad and i don't advocate guilt i don't i don't that's not i don't find that that's necessarily particularly useful however i think for every mistake you make you should learn a lesson and change your behavior or change something about it, right? That's what you take forward, what you learn. And we have learned and we've covered up so many things and we have learned and we've refused to change for reasons that are illogical and it's killing us. It's gonna kill a lot of us. It's already killed us, a lot of us and other species to the point you made ray but it's just the beginning i mean you know all life as we know it eventually life may even come back you know the the rock this rock will continue floating uh if it gets too hot for a while it'll probably cool off eventually <laughs> you know it's we don't have to be here we're not consequential in in the scope of time or space so we need to suck it up and we need to make this happen and we need to be we need to feel upset and we need to get angry and and we can change it all and everybody can have a job if people want to have a business they can have a business like all all of these things we built the system for those reasons let's start using it and let's use it to 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 fix and change put into practice what we've learned right it's life liberty and the pursuit of happiness. I'm always pushing. That's my favorite propaganda because it's the only one I believe in. Um, it's the, it's the truth. It, it, having the security, knowing that you can rely on your environment because you nurture your environment. It's a, it's symbiotic. It's 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 go, it's a circle, right? We 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 do have an impact, and it's strange to me because I've heard politicians say some people think they're so arrogant that they can affect climate, and it's it's weird to me for to hear a politician say that because they're the ones actually doing it. They're the ones with the power to affect climate. I don't even know where the statement comes from, but the fact that they earmark millions and billions of dollars to this hydrocarbon interest industry just shows us um, yeah. where their priorities are. And again, and priorities. 
it is priorities. You're exactly right. And it's that ingrained greed because some people might come back and say, oh, well, you know, it's the jobs, the jobs in their district or this, that, and the other thing. Because that's, I mean, that's more on the pork barrel side for what the industrial um, defense complex, but same is true for these companies too, for Texas and areas throughout the country and, and whatever we control where there's these types of reserves and it's the greed of that because they could choose to create programs or, you know, invest in um, alternatives. They can create jobs any number of ways. The fact that they continue to double down in petroleum is corruption. Right. Well, because it's exploitable, right? The, the other, the other efforts will take a great investment right before payoff. So anything else we do outside of the existing infrastructure, which is, which is dyno fluid, anything outside of that is more expensive because it takes innovation. So of course, why would you invest if you can keep pumping the ground for the money? Just keep pumping it. You didn't create it. The oil doesn't technically belong to you. It belongs to the earth and it belongs to the citizens right? And none of us are getting compensation. We're paying for the pleasure of you taking the product out of our land. Oh, and then we're cleaning it up. It's, it's almost crazy that it's, it's bottled water, folks. People pump it out of your backyard's reservoir and they sell it to you at a premium and it's happening over and over again. And so what I'm excited about, Michael, is I'm also very upset because I'm thinking about it, but I'm excited because I think we have chance here to kind of turn this whole thing on its head um, to finally talk about it logically yes and let's do and let's create a future that you know isn't necessarily built by china i don't know what the china russia thing is going to look like in the future but i was reading an article you know i i always i try to find the maps where i can see what the future of the earth might look like after or during the, the transition during climate change. So then, you know, where is arable land going to be? You know, as, as it gets hotter along the equator, where you're going to be able to grow crops will change. A lot of things will change, including where people can just live because it's going to be too hot potentially, um, too many days of the year. And then water, because hydrology systems are going to be changing. Um, we, we are solely reliant for the most part on rain. Only a few places have desalinization and we have yet to effectively use any kind of um, technology to like create water, although that's going to be a possibility at some point. Um, but long story short, there's going to be so much, <laughs> so much that we have to cover on this. And I think we're, we're coming up on time, so I'm a, I'm gonna pause there and see if there's any any last thoughts on on climate, any competitive advantage aspect. I, I know. Um, Go ahead. Sorry, I, I thought you were opening it up, but it, it's 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 uh, I I it's interesting because people scream about their rights all the time, and really people have no clue what their rights are and what they should be fighting for. And we have a right to live in a, in a, in a, in a benign climate that is not affecting you in any negative ways, if anything, positive ways, right? We have a right for the tranquility. And I would argue that that includes my sky not being full of smog 
created by other corporations and corporations that provide that will pay back what they the damage they do and the court and the competitive advantage will be it'll dump money into the economy cash and innovation into the economy if a company is not given any incentive to pollute or if the company is given incentive to not extract from the ground they will they will find desalinization okay pepsico is a very powerful water producer if you give them the right incentives they will invent desalinization right but it's not profitable nobody wants to invest and that's the difference i think about you and i michael is our focus is not about gaining a bunch of popularity so that we can just rise to the top and laugh um we want to invest and everything we're going to do is trying to invest in getting to the answers telling the stories and making the resources available for everyone to make an informed decision so climate's a tough one i hope to get some feedback on this episode did we leave your head spinning um, or is it just the smog in the air? And, and what specifically about the opportunities for the future would you want us to maybe dig in a little bit further on? I know that we're going to do more anyway uh, without you asking. <laughs> but, you know, if there's anything in particular, please call it out. When we, when we talk about opportunities to tune up the republic, climate's going to be a driver for a lot of those things. So that's why we're being a little, I think, light on solutions because we're going to be digging into solutions, promise you that. Um, the last thought that I had before we wrap up was just to bring conclusion, that idea of like why I look at the maps. It's not just because I like maps, I do. <laughs> but the idea that where we're going to grow food is going to change. Um, and most of the time that Russia has been around and not necessarily as dominant as it wants to be, it also hasn't been able to like grow its own food or, you know, do a lot to diversify its economy from, from energy. And assuming the whole thing doesn't sink into the, you know, ether from permafrost melting, uh, cause there's massive caverns opening up all over the Siberia, Siberian caverns, right? yep, yeah, right. and and new and the diseases like anthrax and stuff getting released because thing was frozen there. In any case, um, there, there 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 could be new arable land that opens up and can be exploited there, and it's just so weird to think about a future where we're dependent on China for all of our technology, and we're dependent on Russia for all of our food. I don't think that's possible um, or likely, but you know we don't know. What well, do, what do? <laughs> rare earth metals i mean none of the technology we have right now can be created without rare earth metals and we are not working on our capacity to produce rare earth metals in the united states china has the complete edge on it what are we going to do if they cut us off they will come for our ipads to take our rare earth metals when they need them for the war i don't we don't have capacity that is so right i mean that's why they've been doing belt and road and building out like infrastructure in Africa and stuff like that so that they can get to the natural resources that are there. Mm. I think that's all we have for today. For more information on this and other episodes, head over to citizendogood.com and click on podcast. While you're there, register to log in and leave a comment. We'd love to hear from the community. We have been your hosts. Thank you to Mr. Raymond Wong Jr. 
And thank you, Mr. Piscatelli. This has been something, a conversation I think Greta would be proud of. It's been something, that's for sure. And special thanks to you, our listeners. We saved the best for last. You are the best and have been for years. Thank you for your support. We know it's painful and we love you. Intro music sampled from OK Class by Ozzy Jock under Creative Commons license through freemusicarchive.org. Other music provided royalty-free through Fizzly and Studios, Inc. 